What's up, everyone? It's Michael Scotto, HoopsHype.com's NBA writer and host of the Hoops Hype podcast. On today's episode, we'll discuss the future of the most talked about star in the league this season, Ben Simmons, plus the latest on Joel Embiid and the outlook for the Philadelphia 76ers. And with that in mind, joining me on the pod is Sixers beat writer Keith Pompey, who covers the Sixers for the Philadelphia Inquirer and does a good job at that. Uh, He's been around the block for the minute. And a guy that uh, has gotten a lot of good scoops on his team. So I thought it would be a good idea to bring Keith on. Also a good dude, too. And a vice president of the Pro Basketball Writers Association. So, Keith, I appreciate you coming on, brother. How you doing? Hey, man, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. You got it, my man. And you know, as I touched on in the open, uh, it seems like with Ben Simmons, this guy... Every couple of days, it's either a fine, there's an update on his uh, mental health status, or you know if he's had practice and he earlier in the season and uh, not showing a lot of effort. Um, you know, Keith, when it comes to Ben Simmons, I mean, to me, it seems like this guy has played his last game for the Sixers, and it, it, it in my opinion, he's just you know done everything that he can to make sure that that is the case. Uh, He's clearly wanted out for a reason. Um, When you look at Ben Simmons right now and this whole situation, what has been your overall take on the the tug and pull between Ben Simmons and the Philadelphia 76ers with, you know, Daryl Morey and the rest of management right now? I think the whole thing is disappointing. Um, And I'm not just going to say it's disappointing with Ben I think it's disappointing on both sides. You know, I think that, and I and I get that. You know, when you have a player under contract, and and I get all that, and I get that they want to find him. I understand all that, but it, it just seems like, you know, we knew since the end of last season that Ben Simmons did not want to be here. You know, when you when you do your research, you talk to sources. You know, he was. They were alerted of that right afterwards. You know, the days within the days afterwards, Rich Paul told him that at the um, NBA draft combine. Then Ben told him that in person in August. And so you're under the impression that something's going to happen. It, it, it didn't happen yet, but the way that this is playing out, I, I think that is a huge distraction for the team. You know, it's one of those things where, you know. The guy always said that he wasn't going to come back. And even if he came back, he said he wasn't going to be in uniform. You know, at this particular time, I don't know what Ben Simmons being in uniform is, how it's going to help the Sixers. Now, again, I get it. A great defender, you know, all this other stuff that he does, he provides. But what I'm saying is right now, when you have a guy who doesn't want to practice with the team, who doesn't want to go to the games, who, who like reluctantly speaking to the medical team, then can you really trust that guy to be on the court with the team and help you win the game? You know, if, if he's going through the motions now, you know, what do you think he's going to give like 60% on the court? So when I look at this, it's extremely disappointing because it's kind of like it's someone who doesn't want to be here and yet and still, the team still wants to force them to be here. And my question is, 
why do you want to force someone to be there when they they're already checked out? Well, I mean, Keith, I would look at it too from this instance, like this guy's on, <clears throat> excuse me, this guy's on a max contract and they've got him locked in for years to come. You know, he signed that. And when it comes to Ben, I agree with you hundred percent. Look, Ben is a guy that, um, given what you saw, like, and the start of those practices at the beginning of the year, is this going to be a guy that's coming out giving 110%? Probably not. You know how it is. When you're not 100% motivated or or happy doing something, it makes doing any task, whether it's you know writing a story or anything like that, uh, tougher. And so for Ben, I think a couple things. One, uh, you know, let's say he let's just call it what it was. He had the yips at the foul line. You know, last year he couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat. Okay, and uh, he was a little reluctant offensively. What the guy brings, he is an all-world defender. He's probably one of the top. I mean, overall, one through five, he can guard anything. You know what you're getting there on offense. You know, when you talk to scouts and executives, they kind of view him as like a six foot ten Rajon Rondo in the sense that if you put shooters around him, he's going to thrive because he's a very willing passer. Uh, and he's he thrives in the front court and, and in transition, and he can penetrate the lane. Um, you know, shooting to this point, whether it's at the foul line, whether it's at uh, the three point arc, it, it hasn't developed. I feel like Keith, he he's been a guy that's like his numbers are what they are, and and nothing has fluctuated there. You know, I like coming out, people thought this guy could be you know maybe a LeBron or something like that. Um, because of his height and what he could do. But it's also like at the same time, he is a guy that um, I, I would say he's almost as much more like a Lamar Odom, you know, not necessarily a, a, an elite scorer like a, a LeBron or anything like that, but he can do all those other things, um, you know, tall left-handed guy. So, you know, Keith, now you touch on it. Like he doesn't want to be there, but around the league, teams are not, looking to give Daryl Morey what he wants. Now, I think Daryl's asking price, you know, this guy's trying to get like kind of a James Harden-esque type of package. I don't think that's going to happen. I think he knows that, but he's going to try to hold up the bargain as much as he can. So when you look around the league, where could Ben Simmons be a fit at this point to match somewhat what Daryl Morey's looking to get? That's that's a good question. I mean, here here's the thing. You know, you 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 look at a roster and you look at Golden State and you will say to yourself, that could be the best fit for Ben Simmons. But at the same time, they have Draymond. So you're saying if you have Draymond, then are you going to get rid of Draymond for Ben Simmons, or can they coexist together, play together in the same lineup? You, you know what I mean? But to me, that's the best fit because. You know, you're on a team where, you know, you know he's not a shooter. Um, he's a facilitator. And you have shooters around you. Other guys who can get to the bucket. You got to, I mean, he can get to the rim. You have other guys who can, you know, shoot shots from the perimeter, do a lot of rack up things. I think Ben would go there and he would be comfortable as, you know, grabbing rebounds, defending, and, and, and getting dimes, you know, getting dimes. So to me, that's the best fit for him. You know, I mean, there's places like some people said, you know, Portland could be good for him, right? The only problem with Portland, though, is, okay, what if you give up someone for Ben Simmons and, um, 
you know, Ben Simmons wants to go elsewhere. I mean, excuse me, or the other player, like who you, the player that you keep, like if it's Dame or, or if it's CJ, and, and, and they decide to go elsewhere. Well, then you're messed up. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's just a lot right now. And, 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 and you're right. I mean, his value is low. Um, he has to be in the perfect situation. Um, but, you know, I, again, the only reason why I, I said I felt like, you know, I didn't like the way this was going, I get that he's under contract, but there are certain times where, you know, I feel like when you find a player, when you find a player money, and I get that, you lose the play, right? So it can, sometimes we hear of agreements where people come back, you know, you talk to them, you, you, you know, you, you say what you have to say to that person. And then all of a sudden, you know, gradually things start getting better. But when you start finding a person for that, especially this person, when, you know, you had a coach and Brett Brown and said, hey, I want you to shoot a three every game from here on out. And that's the last time they shot a three, right? <laughs> so when you have a guy like that, it's one of those things where, Sometimes you're backing him into a corner and, and he just doesn't respond anymore. And I felt like if, if they would have had better communication and some people can argue he didn't want to communicate, but if they would have worked, found a way to work things out um, and say, you know what, we're going to trade you December the 15th or whatever, you know, we'll just have you in the practice facility working out, you know, doing whatever you'll get paid. And, you know, wink, wink, when such and such happens, you're going to be traded. I, I think that, you know, no one, you know, no one would argue with that. And I think Ben will go for it. But at the same time, now that he's being fined, you know, I, it's, it's kind of like it's a distraction from the team. You know, no one's talking about, oh, the Sixers play the Utah Jazz tonight in a tough game without Joel Embiid. What they talk about is, you know, Ben Simmons is being fined again. So I just think it's just a major distraction. I agree with you on that. And, and real quick, you know, Brett Brown, I, I always used to get a kick out of him anytime uh, he would talk about, you know, Ben and stuff. He'd be like, you know, Keith coached Ben Simmons' father. Guy was built like an ox. And I always got a kick out of his accent um, anytime he would talk about him. I, I definitely think, you know, he wanted him to – expand his horizons like you touched on, shooting the three. Um, and you mentioned about it being a distraction. It absolutely is. Um, I'll tell you this, and I mean, you know, you could speak to this as well, but when I talk to other executives around the league about the situation with the Sixers, uh, point blank, nobody feels sorry for Daryl Morey around the league. You know, when I talk to other people, uh, those executives, you know, they think his asking price is way too high. Um given the situation coming off the playoffs and, you know, teams know that he doesn't want to, that Ben Simmons doesn't want to be there. So uh, what they're willing to give for a guy, even though this guy has been an all defensive team player and an all-star multiple times, um, it, it's been interesting to see. But w when you look at it, um, you know, you touched on it, like I said, being a distraction, um, the weird thing is, and I've heard this from some executives too, when, when Joel Embiid was healthy um, and before their uh, recent losing streak, this team was performing well without him. And some executives said to me, it, it, it further in their eyes lowered 
the trade value for Ben Simmons because you know how it is, Keith. When you when you lose a star player, you're typically gonna uh, struggle. But Philadelphia coming out of the gate was, um, you know, leading the Eastern Conference. Uh, you know, before now, obviously when they lost Joel Embiid, I mean that's like getting the rug pulled out from under you, you know, because you don't have Ben. But that's that was the sense I got from talking to executives around the league about the situation right now. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, I was thinking that too. Like, I was thinking that too. That is one of those things where you say, "Hey, um, what you going to give us for?" And they're like, "Come on, man, y'all, y'all doing well without him." Now, the, and and so I thought that. Now you look at the uh, the argument also is that when you look at it, yes, they did play well without him, um, but they only beat one team with a winning record at that time. They beat that team twice in the Chicago Bulls, and that was two major victories, you know, for them. The second game, they were undermanned against them, right? But the thing is, it's like, I I get that argument because I was thinking the same. It's like, you know, here you go. You know, Ben isn't there. Um, They've shot uh, 10 plus three-pointers in all of their games this season, regardless of who plays. You know, the spacing is better, all this other stuff. So it's hard to take in a max player when the team is performing better. And part of the reason they were performing better is when you talk to the guys, they all say their chemistry was great. No one took a knock at Ben. No one said anything. But they all said their chemistry was great. And when you look at the Sixers in the season's past, the chemistry was an issue. So the only major person who left the team at that time was Ben. Now, you can look at it and say they did a circle of the wagon because he wasn't there. But, yeah, you know, you are right. I mean, you know, they were performing better. And a lot of executives and scouts were, like, taking notice, saying, wow, maybe he isn't the reason for their success. But I will tell you now, the Sixers wish they had a locked-in Ben Simmons on the floor now just because, you know, they're they're in a tough path patch right now and then when you go back to it again beating Chicago was great they beat them twice but that was the only team they played that had a winning record at that time that's a fair point and I mean look some some you know other teams around the league will also say look you know maybe they're not in this situation if uh you know Ben and those guys uh, if 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 Doc Rivers and some of those guys after the playoff loss and you know even with Joel they kind of propped him up a little bit and kind of had his back a little bit more. But, um, you, you know, touching on that, Keith, you know, Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, over the years, anytime I talk to people either around them or around the league, it it seemed like they coexisted, but they certainly weren't close. And now that really reared its head, you know, and, and I don't blame, you know, Joel Embiid when uh, – I think it was, you know, during training camp, he was like, kind of, I'm tired of this guy and, and, and this stuff. You know, he, he's clearly fed up because he wants to win a, a championship in the prime of his career. And, you know, he's not always the most healthiest guy. So you, you're, you know, every year is you got to maximize it with a guy like him. I mean, from your perspective, what was it like behind the scenes between those two uh, in terms of their relationship? You know, I don't think it was any different than most, like, two top three draft picks who 
were franchise players trying to coexist earlier in, in their career. You know, it, it's like, you know, I, you know, it, it, it's one of those things. And, and not only that, let's face it, they had distinct personalities. You know, Joel was more of a homebody. You know, he likes being at home, you know, with his fiance and, and his child. And, you know, before that with her, you know, just chilling. Whereas, you know, Ben is more of a, you know, a guy who's, you know, the good looking dude, you know, tall, good looking, dresses well. All the women love him. And he likes going out and having a good time. They had two distinct different personalities. So I think that that, that factor into it well. But to me, it's no different than most teams when two guys want to be the man, you know. Now, the one thing I will say about that is that it grew last year. You know, Doc Rivers had to sit down with both of them and said, listen, in order for us to be successful is about you two, not you or you, is about you two together, right? And I, and I think, like, if you saw them more communicating on the court, um, you know, off the court, when they got off on the sidelines and everything, and I think it really worked out well, you know. And, and of course, you know, Ben Simmons said some things afterwards, like where he said he felt like this marriage has run its course with Joel. And then Joel, you know, responds and says some things. Um, but, but then it was not funny, but, like, as soon as Ben came out and, and, and told the team um, that he was dealing with, you know, mental issues, then Joel that night, addressed the fans and said, that's our brother. So he had his back. But, you know, I think a lot was made out of their relationship. But when you look at it, you know, Joel came in, he thought he was going to be the man. Ben came in, he thought he was going to be the man. And then you got to put them both in together. And, you know, who's number one? And then you can argue that there were some people within the organization who wanted Ben to be the man, and there was other people who wanted Joel to be the man. So, you know, I felt like it was just a bad situation back then, and and that caused a lot of the problems. Well, with that in mind, it's pretty clear it's Joel Embiid's team, in my opinion, even when Ben was there. Um, it always just seemed like he was the face, the voice of the organization um, in, in that regard. Um, he's got that type of personality, especially when we speak with the media. but. You know, Keith, and, and kind of wrapping up on on Ben Simmons, um, we'll make it a quick two-parter. One, in your opinion, have we seen Ben Simmons play his last game in Philly? And where where do trade talks stand at, at this point for Ben Simmons to potentially leave Philly? Um, I think we have seen Ben Simmons play his last game in Philly. You know, um, in regards to the trade talks, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing their own like pause right now, you know. Uh, you know, like, as you said, his trade value is extremely low. The Sixers, not to say that, you know, they could trade him. I mean, there are teams still inquiring about him. Um, but they just don't want to give up what the Sixers um, want. And the Sixers aren't willing to, to lower their demand. So with that being said, I, I, I think that, you know, they're on, uh, on stall for now. Now, they could open back up come a month from now and December the 15th, you know, once the guys who signed free agent deals this summer um, can become available, you know, uh, I think that's going to happen. 
Um, but, you know, as of right now, from what I'm hearing, it has not really been uh, a lot of, you know, traction, so to speak, aside from, you know, people calling and asking, but there really hasn't been a lot of traction. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you touched on Warriors before. For the Warriors, there are some in the organization that obviously think he would thrive there. There are others, I can tell you, that think that he would be a tough fit because he is a duplicate of Draymond Green. And that would make things interesting um, over there. Um, You know, having those two, if you didn't trade Draymond, having those two on the floor together. So, you know, I think for Ben Simmons around the league, for some people, it's He's he's a really good player, but you need certain things around him to make him really effective. And I think for some teams, uh, they view him as fitting a square peg in a round hole uh, in terms of their team and their style. Like you look at like the Sacramento Kings, even with some of the guys they're not trying to give up and 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 things like that when they were in talks um, for him as well. But um, I also think Keith people have like like this guy has gotten like. You know, uh, we'll go with uh, pooped on, you know, because we got to we got to watch what we say on here. But almost like a toy, he's been pooped on almost like a toilet, man. And this guy is a really good passer. He's a great defender, one through five. Um, It's kind of crazy how his value has swung with such a a, a pendulum. But, you know, we we touched on a little bit, Joel and Joel's in in the covid protocols. do you have a sense of when he is going to come back and, and what the team is thinking when he can be back? Cause they certainly need him uh, ASAP. I mean, from what I'm hearing is fluid, you know, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, Joel, you know, you would think that um, the earliest, well, the earliest that Joel can return will be Thursday. I'm hearing it could be a little bit later than that, you know, just because he was symptomatic when, when he, um, you know, when he contracted COVID. Um, and it's one of those things where, you know, Joel is also, not only does he have to get the two negative tests, right? After, you know, well, he could return now if he had two negative tests, but not only does Joel have to do the 10 days of quarantine and then get the negative test. You know, Joel is one of these guys, when you take time, when he takes time off, you know, he's a big guy. He easily gets out of shape. And he hasn't been doing anything basketball-wise. So even once he comes back and he's cleared, there's probably going to be a return-to-play um, process for him put in place because he's going to have to get back in shape. Now, Tobias is different. You know, Tobias is one of those guys who's in tip-top shape. He does everything right. I'm not saying that Joel doesn't, but I'm just saying Tobias' diet and all that other stuff. So whereas you know, he was able to play 37 minutes once he returned. And Joel is going to be different. So he can, he could return uh, Thursday, but I think it's going to be a couple of days after that. And I wouldn't be surprised, you know, if it wasn't next week or, or, or once they got back on this road trip because, you know, he's playing in high altitude, he's playing out here, you know, it, 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 it's, it's going to be a lot for his body. That's an excellent point, Keith. And you touched on Tobias. Uh, you know, Tobias is one of those guys like CJ McCollum around the league that is a really good player that hasn't cracked that all-star plateau just yet. Um, you, do you think if he can remain healthy for the rest of the year that uh, 
you know, Tobias can crack that that all star nomination and and get one, especially now with Ben Simmons uh, not not in Philly at this point playing. You know what? It's tough for me to answer that right now because he's only played in what like eight games. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, I gotta like typically you, you get a sense on like okay, this guy's gonna be an all star or, or he has a good chance. You know what I mean? After X amount of games. Um, now he did have 32 points the other night. Yeah, I believe he scored 30 in another game earlier this season. Um, he's playing well. I give him that. I mean, they're doing a lot of the point forward um, actions with him, but it's it's still early because you know there's guys like you know you got Julius Randle, um, you got Demar Derozan who's balling. I mean, these are guys who are you know all listed as forwards and guys who you know, probably aren't going to start in the All-Star, in the All-Star game, but they're going to get some consideration. You know, now if Tobias continues this hot tear, then yes. But, you know, once you become an All-Star like Julius Randle, sometimes you get grandfathered in the next couple of years before that. You know, and then, like I said, you know, there's some other players like um, DeMar DeRozan, who's playing extremely well this year. You know, he, he is there on um, three on that team. So, you know, I, I expect him to, to get in as a reserve as well. So it could be tough for Tobias. And we've seen, uh, you know, without Ben and without Tobias early in the year, Tyrese Maxey has really stepped up for this team. Um, and, you know, ironically, another Rich Paul client, just like Ben Simmons. And I, from from Tyrese, what is what is the organization's thoughts on what this kid can be and his, his long-term future there. Like essentially Keith, did, did they take this kid thinking that um, in their back pocket, he could be the guy that replaces Ben Simmons if they're able to move him? What's, what's Philly's stance on him? I Man, I don't think they, when they drafted him, they were thinking that. I think that they looked at him and, you know, he was towards the end of the draft. Um, I think it was like 22nd, 21, 22nd. Um, you know, he was a guy who, who was expected to go in the lottery. He was the best player available. They like him. I mean, they, Doc Rivers always said he thought he was a good guard. He thought he was going to bring, bring, be a good guard. You know, they looked at him as someone, you know, who could come off the bench and provide scoring. But they felt like he had to develop a little bit. And that's the reason why, you know, he was young. That's the reason why he didn't play a lot um, at early on last season. Right now, he played when they were depleted. He played in those games and started because of COVID. But for the most part, there was times where he didn't. He got a lot of DMP. Now, um, when you look at it now, and you look at him and you say to yourself, you know, he's arguably one of the most improved players, you know, in the league from last year to this year, and and that's a um, a, uh, a contribution. I mean, that's a. I mean, that's a. That, that 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 goes a lot to say with you know with with his um work ethic and how he works hard in the offseason. And then you look at how he improved from the preseason to now to the Sixers what first fourteen games. Um I mean this guy as is, is more confident, he's more aware of the situation, and a lot of that has to do with Doc, Sam Cassell, and the veterans on the team for always being in his ear. But I don't think, like, initially when they first drafted him, they were saying, okay, he's going to be a replacement for um, 
for Ben, because if you think about it, when, when that happened, it was one of those things where the Sixers really wanted James Harden. And he was going to be the primary ball handler on this team. You know, it was when they, like, you had James, and then you had Seth, you had Danny. <laughs> like, you know, you, you, you would have a, a good two-man game between Joel and, and um, James, and then you surround them with shooters. And then Tobias could be, you know, another option. So I, I don't think that that was the mindset of, for, for Maxie. I felt like he was the best player available, and they looked at him as somebody could come in off the bench and provide buckets. Well, another guy that Philly ended up taking that I think was a valuable guy, um, or well, at least like they acquired him through the draft, Matisse Thybul, um, a guy that another you talk about Ben Simmons being a great defender. This kid, uh, that's his elite skill. Um, obviously, he's been out of the lineup for a little bit. Um, Keith, when do they expect him to to come back for this team? Is there a, a ballpark time frame? I mean, he he should be back probably about next week, if not, you know, uh, sooner. You know, he's a guy who, you know, Matisse's situation is crazy, too, because he's a guy who only went into quarantine, or he only went into, like, um, uh, the protocols, health and safety protocols, because he was around Isaiah Joe who had it. So he played in the game, and then all of a sudden, the league told the Sixers that, he had to go in, in the quarantine. While in quarantine is when he tested positive. So, you know, he could be back, you know, like next week um, to come back for the Sixers. But again, like these guys have been, you know, had some symptoms and, and, and stuff like that. But yeah, he could be back next week. And Keith, you know, kind of wrapping it up with uh, two more guys. Andre Drummond has obviously stepped into the lineup without Joel Embiid, and and Seth Curry has had uh, kind of a breakout year uh, for him, at least scoring-wise and, and shooting the ball with this team. From your standpoint, watching these guys, one, how has how Andre Drummond fit into this team? And two, what's been for Seth Curry allowed him to have this breakout year? You know, I, I think, like, Seth Curry, there was a, there was a time – um, first, we're going to start with Seth. You know, I, I think with, with Seth, there was a time when, you know, the Sixers, like, had to rely heavily on him, you know, and then they realized that he can play some point guard. He also, like, took he's, – he's also the big beneficiary of Joel Embiid's pres, presence. Like, when Joel Embiid gets double teamed, you know, he likes kicking the ball out or he has to kick the ball out and, and, and get teammates involved. And a lot of times it was, it's Seth Curry, you know, Seth burying threes. And what that does is once he does that, it teams can't double Joel like they used to. And then he goes on and dominates, right? But I think that, you know, it's all about opportunity. When you look at Seth Curry, you know, a lot of people will say, you know what, this guy is a career backup. You say that, right? You think that. But then you go and you look at his, his stats and you're like, what the heck, dude? You started a lot of games for this team. Oh, you started a lot for that one. And it was always like something would happen. He was thrust into the starting lineup. But then the next year, he would probably get traded or he would sign a free agent deal with another team. And, you know, it was like he was starting all over again. So I think the biggest thing is playing with Joel Embiid. And, and, and the other thing is 
just getting an opportunity to show what he can do, especially, and he's great in the pick and roll. And so, you know, that's what Doc Rivers always talked about was how he used to kill them, the Clippers, when they were in the pick and roll. Now, Andre Drummond, I mean, he was a huge pickup for the Sixers. You know, we're talking about a, a, a steal. They got him for the veteran minimum. And, you know, he was a two-time All-Star. You know, it didn't work out for him in L.A. Um, but when the Sixers, you you know, if you're the backup center for the Sixers, you know, be due to possibly injuries um, right now is, is COVID. And, and then rest time with Joel and B, you're going to play. You're going, and you're going to start some games. And when you look at Drummond, you know, last year everybody said Dwight Howard was the best backup that Ben Simmons had. And you have to say Drummond is better than Dwight. You know, Drummond, he comes in, he grabs rebounds. You know, he's a, he's a willing passer. He gets everyone involved. You know, um, but at the same time, he's the type of guy that it's not unheard of for him to have, like, 14 points, 20 rebounds, and I mean that 20 rebounds and, and like, you know, six assists and three blocks, you know, and, 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 you know, that's the type of guy he is. And I think the, the Sixers, you know, right now they got a four-game losing streak, and it's not because of Andre Drummond's performance at all. I mean, he's playing well. Well, Keith, obviously there's going to be a lot to monitor with this team, uh, you know, as they try to, figure out the Ben Simmons situation. Obviously, Joel Embiid's health is always a topic of conversation. And if this team can, you know, try to fulfill those championship expectations that uh, they had, you know, before all this Ben Simmons stuff started. So, you know, I'm looking forward to your coverage at the Philadelphia Inquirer and everyone else you should certainly as well. Appreciate you coming on the line with me, Keith. Thanks for joining me. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime. And also want to thank everyone else for tuning in. And if you want to hear more episodes of the Hoops High podcast with guest appearances from NBA players, coaches, executives and media members such as Keith, you can like and subscribe to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you listen to podcasts. You can also keep up with my tweets on Twitter at Mike A. Scotto. Make sure you're following Keith too at Pompeii on Sixers. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Scotto, wishing you and yours all the best.